Hello, welcome to Atari Bytes, the show where we take a bite out of the story within a classic Atari 2600 game and see if that story bites is bad. My name is Bill, this is episode 201. Thanks for listening. Welcome back to everybody. Those of you who are conscious, this episode is coming out at the tail end of the American Thanksgiving weekend, a weekend punctuated by many, many calories, perhaps a little alcohol, and many, many family feuds. Hopefully, you're resting comfortably from the fun of the holiday weekend as opposed to, you know, the fist fight over the cranberry sauce. Yes, it's been a weekend celebrating America. And what's more American than this? Gonna prove that the world is flat in his rocket ship. Or else he'll go splat. He's Mad Mike Hughes. Mad Mike Hughes. A few days ago, the Rocket Man the Movie Twitter account posted another link to the film, and the tweet was Mad Mike tries to implement his own brand of justice and finds out sometimes things don't go your way. And then reminds us that the film is out and you can go watch it. The link is to the Instagram account for Rocketman the Movie, where we find a quote from an auto-impound employee, quote, and I'm going to clean this up because this is a semi-clean podcast, mostly clean podcast, Um, although jumping ahead, there may be a couple naughty words later in the episode, so just be forewarned. All right, quote, okay, we're going to citizens arrest you. Let me start that again. Okay, we're going to citizens arrest you within the next two weeks. Close quote, Mad Mike Hughes. That actually was him speaking. And then, quote, yeah, good luck with that. Go F yourself. Auto-impound employee. Okay. I guess you got to go watch the movie to find out the context for these quotes, but it just kind of highlights the fact that there's not much going on with Mad Mike. Let's see. We never did hear what came of his journey down the highway to, you know, demonstrate that the highway's flat, so the earth must be flat. Didn't get much out of that, did we? There is actually a Mad Mike Hughes Instagram account. I've never really looked at it till now. He has made one post. He has 125 followers and is following two people. The description for the holder of this account is Mike. The name's Mike. And there's no apostrophe in names, by the way. A little mad, but all in all a good guy who is just shooting for the flat stars. Okay, I don't think that's how the flat earth theory works. I don't think anyone's suggesting that the stars are flat. But, alright. The one post appears to be a drawing, a painting of a flat earth with the, you know, the ice ring around it being carried through space on the back of a giant turtle. It's kind of a nice picture, despite the frightening misunderstanding of science. It is kind of a cool picture, and let's face it, turtles are just cool on any day. The Mad Mites Instagram account includes a link to the flatearthsociety.org. What the hell? Let's go check it out. The mission of the Flat Earth Society, according to the website, is to promote and initiate discussion of flat earth theory as well as archive flat earth literature. Our forums act as a venue to encourage free thinking and debate. The Flat Earth Society mans the guns against oppression of thought and the globularist... I'm not sure that's a word. Globularist... Globe... I can't even say it. Globularist... Globularist. Alright. Lies of a New Age. The Globularist Lies of a New Age. Standing with reason, okay, 
We offer a home to those wayward thinkers that march bravely on with, all caps, reason, and, all caps, truth, and recognizing the, all caps, true shape of the earth, dash, flat. Come join us in our forums and get started learning about the greatest lie ever told. There's the famous drawing of a, of the map of the world with ships falling off the edge and a big dragon waiting for them. Very cool. History of the Flat Earth, blah, blah, blah. Well, how do I sign up? Oh, they actually have a list of the members. I wasn't expecting that. I'm not going to read any of the names. But they appear to be like actual names, not like Twitter handles. It goes all the way down to 555 people. Becoming an associate member is completely free. You just have to send them a postcard because they're on the cutting edge of society and science with uh, conducting business by postcard, apparently. Sending us a postcard, parentheses, preferably from your home city slash town. Okay. They want to know your location. They want to know your name for their records, your email address, or forum username, after which they will mail your confirmation. To become a member and friend of the Flatter Society, you have to donate 12 bucks. And you get a pewter medallion, except, oh, actually you don't, because then there's an apology below that. Sorry, we're waiting for a replacement supply of pewter at the moment. Well, that's a bummer. I was going to sign up, but oh well. So that's what's going on there. That appears to be about all the Flat Earth news, at least the Mad Mike Flat Earth news, that's fit to print, or otherwise. So, much like the turkey carcass after Thanksgiving, let's wrap this up in a plastic bag so the stink doesn't get out, and move on. Gonna prove that the world is flat in his rocket ship. Or else he'll go splat He's Mad Mike Hughes Mad Mike Hughes I know by the time you're hearing this, Black Friday is over, but maybe you can still get in on Cyber Monday. Uh, according to CNET.com, Black Friday blowout on retro arcade cabinets at Walmart, Galaga, Pac-Man, and more starting at just 150 bucks. Walmart has seven killer arcade cabinets packed with your favorite childhood games this weekend, including classic Star Wars vector graphics game, and they're on sale. Galaga, Final Fight, Marvel Super Heroes, Pac-Man Arcade, Asteroids Arcade, all ranging from $149 to $250. The Pac-Man apparently goes for $250. Does anyone have any of these Walmart arcade games? Do you like them? Are they worth the money? Like anyone who doesn't video game podcast or listen to a video game podcast, of course I would like to have an actual RK cabinet in my basement, but I don't want to pay that much for it. So if anyone has one of these, yeah, I mean, I realize these are not the, you know, full size, you know, vintage RK cabinets. The Galaxy, uh, the Galaga one, for example, according to this listing, 17 inch color LCD. It's an R- one of the arcade one up consoles and is four feet high, but you can add a riser though they add helpfully. Supposedly 149 that's 50% off. So if anyone has one of these, just let me know what you think. Alright, well, why don't we get on to this week's game. This week's game is... Now you can play most all the video games you'd ever want to play. Introducing the Sears Cartridge Telegame System. Over 150 video games, all on cartridges. This cartridge of 27 target games is included. But you can get more cartridges that have tank games, space war games, blackjack... Speedway, over 150 video games so far. The Sears Cartridge Telegame System, sold only at Sears. Yes, indeed, we're visiting our friend, Sears Telegames, to play Slots. 
which of course is just slot machine with the Sears Telegames label on it. Uh, came out in from Atari, obviously, in 1979. We use the joystick to play this one, and as always, we hold the controller with the red button to your upper left toward the television screen. Someday, I swear, I'm going to put that on a t-shirt, because that seems like good life advice to me. But hold on. Grab onto something. Buckle yourself in. Gird your loins, because I'm going to blow your mind. In slots, when you play a one-player game, you use the right controller. I know. I know. It's like going to England and driving on the left side of the road. It's freaky. But that's what you got to do. So, when you turn the game on, you see a screen. Duh. That's your slot machine. In the upper left-hand corner, you see the game number. To the right, you see what looks like a two-digit number, but it's actually two separate numbers. The first one is the number of players, either, obviously, one or two. And the other number is the number of, of pay lines. You depress the console's game select switch to choose the particular slot machine you wish to play. Each machine play field features a specific number of players and pay lines. Uh, there's a whole matrix in the back of the manual for each variation. There are... We'll jump right to that. There are eight different games. Games one through four are jackpot games. Games five through eight are payoff games. Uh, and they alternate uh, one and two players. Games one, three, five, and seven are one player. Two, four, six, and eight are two player. One, two, five, and six, the center line is the pay line. And games three, four, seven, and eight have up to five pay lines. To press the reset switch to start play, the numbers in the upper right corner and left corner change to 25 in games 2, 4, 6, and 8, which are two-player games. This is the number of coins each player receives in their bank to begin betting. In games 1, 3, 5, and 7, the one-player games, the number in the upper left corner changes to 24. Because the other player is the computer, and they've already made their initial bet, and subtracted one coin from the original 25-coin bank, and now they are irritably tapping their feet and sighing and rolling their eyes, because you're taking forever. The number in each lower corner of the machine playfield shows how much is being bet by each player. A question mark appears in each player's betting square. The skill switch has no effect on games in this telegames cartridge, so don't even try. Here's how you bet. Use the red button on your joystick controller to place your bet. You can bet up to five coins each time. Games three, four, seven, and eight have a maximum of five pay lines. Each bet of one coin increases the chance of adding to your bank. For example, Bet three coins, and you may win a jackpot on either the first, second, or third pay line. Games one, two, five, and six only pay on the center line, or pay line one. In these games, the more you bet, up to five coins, the more you add to your bank. After you're placing your bet, pull back on your joystick to spin the reels of the slot machine. In two-player two games, both players must do this to spin the reels. So if one of you is a slacker, boot that jackass to the curb, because they're just slowing you down. The game ends when one player's bank is broke. To continue play, to press the game reset switch once. This adds 25 coins to each player's bank. The game may end with one player going broke while the other player has coins remaining. When the game reset switch is depressed once, the player who went broke is given 25 coins, while the player who with coins remaining receives 25 coins plus the amount left when the game ended. In one-player games, you are competing against the computer. The computer makes a random bet for each play. Which is a little bit how I gamble, frankly. The game ends if you or the computer go broke. To continue play, depress the game reset switch. This adds 25 coins to each bank. As in two-player games, the player with coins remaining 
when the game ends does not lose those coins when the game reset switch is depressed once. Depress the game reset switch twice to reset each player's bank to 25 coins for all one and two player games. Your slot machine game pays off at uh, the same as a three wheel 20 stop slot machine found in a gambling casino as opposed to some other kind of casino, I guess. I'm not sure what other kind of casino there is, but alright. To be clear, it is a gambling casino. The score for a one-player game is displayed in the upper right corner of the screen. The computer score is on the left. In two-player games, the right player score is on the right. The left player score is on the left. And that is how you play slots. I did a fairly minuscule amount of research on the history of this game, and basically what I found was amounts to this. The list of Atari 2600 games totals 526 games, and slots is one of them. All 136 of the initial era of Atari 2600 games were developed by Atari Inc., and many of those were licensed to Sears, which released the games under its Telegames brand, often with different titles, uh, all of which you guys probably know. Sears Telegames brand was unrelated to the company Telegames, which also produced cartridges for the Atari 2600, mostly reissues of M-Network games. Three games... Not that this has anything to do with this episode, but what the heck. Three games were also produced by Atari Inc. for Sears as exclusive releases under the Telegames brand. Again, not to be confused with the company Telegames. Apparently, one of them couldn't think of another name. I don't know. Uh, but the three exclusives for Sears were Steeplechase, Stellar Track, and Submarine Commander. Now you know. Game facts, in mentioning that this game exists, refer to it as a miscellaneous game. Which, for some reason, makes me laugh. I, I don't know why. It doesn't really mean anything other than it seems to encapsulate the, you know, the import of this game to the history of Atari. In that vein, the Woodrain Wonderland review of Slot Machine, the 1978 Atari version of this game, opens with, Wow, did I ever have a hard time finding a working ROM for Slot Machine? It's not the kind of game I would ever buy. I had to settle on Atari Greatest Hits on the Atari Greatest Hits app, on my cell phone just to find a version in which the controls would work. That's just the first paragraph. Then he says, The elephant in the room where it comes to slot machine is, what's the point? It's not a game of skill, and you can't play it for money. Well, I suppose you could do so with friends, but with the modern prevalence of video lottery ter terminals, why would you want to? Secondly, if you're going to make a slot machine game, make it colorful. But, they go on, if you have a burning desire to play slots on the Atari 2600, this game works well enough. The spinning sounds aren't bad, you have choices between jackpot and payoff games and center or multiple pay lines. The reviewer preferred the payoff games mostly because there's a greater variety of objects to cut through the monotony. Can't imagine Slot Machine holding much entertainment value for the average gamer. Grade D. Videogamecritic.com didn't even like the game as much as Woodrain Wonderland. They gave it an F. They open with, what is the purpose of Slot Machine exactly? If you're brain dead, you can compete against the computer which places random bets. Excitement of winning money in a real casino, except without the money and without the casino, and without the excitement. Alrighty. Well, this is going to be a good episode from here on out, isn't it? Well, after the break, will the one-armed bandit beat us over the head without spilling a drop of his cool, refreshing lemonade? Tune in to find out. Luck be a lady tonight. Never let me out of your sight. No, seriously, don't let me out of your sight. It's a bad idea. Remember this one time when I was at the mall? 
Hey, where are you going? No, come back. Alright, we're playing Slot, the Sears Telegames version of Slot Machine. I'm looking at the screen. It looks kind of like a slot machine. We've got the computer as player one on the left. We're playing as player two on the right, which feels weird. Kind of like driving on the left side of the road in England. But we'll make do, I guess. We've been playing for a while. The computer's at 18 coins right now. I'm at zero. This is game one. We're looking, of course, for a jackpot, which could be three of any bar for 20 coins, three triple bars per 100, three cars for 200, and then we will be rich and life will be magically better. That's how it works, right? All right, let's go. I'm gonna bet five every time because that's how I roll. Nope, nothing. Nothing, one single bar, nothing. Bar, nothing, nothing. Nope, that's my last five. Nothing. All right, let's try that again. The, the little wheel things move like a slot machine. Other than that, there's not a whole lot that screams slot machine here. Uh, I know I said it kind of looks like one. It sort of looks like a slot machine in the same way that a video pinball looks like a pinball machine. You just kind of have to accept it. Triple bars, nothing. Single bar. Nothing, nothing, nothing. That should be worth some coins, right? You got three of the same thing. Oh well. Bar, nothing, nothing. Three triple bar, nothing. Single bar. Wow. I'm really bad at this. I was gonna organize a trip for all of my listeners to go with me to Las Vegas. But, you know, all expenses paid, but I think I might have to reconsider that now. Sorry. Back to you in the studio. Hey everyone, this is Michael, one of the hosts of the Atari XEGS Car by Car podcast. Do you like Atari? Of course you do. What about the 8-bit computer line? It was one of the best. Well, how about you consider joining Bill, David, Kieran, and myself as we review the cartridge-based games for Atari's 8-bit computer line. We also review budget games which are mostly released only in the UK. But that's not all. We also dig up game history, share personal experiences, and perform questionable comedy. You'll get all of that and for free just by listening to us on either iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play Music, Player FM, or from our website at xegs8bit.com. That's xegs, the number 8, bit.com. And when you're done listening, please send us your hate mail because we really need the feedback so we know someone is tuning in. Hey, it's me, Bill, your host, the guy you've been listening to this whole episode. Do you enjoy the stories I write and read to you every week on this podcast, but you feel like you just need a break from my voice? I get it. My family does sometimes, too. Here's an option. Some of the stories from the show are now collected in a volume titled Misery Banana, very short stories inspired by old games and odd thoughts. You can order it wherever you like to order books. I hope you'll check it out. Thanks. So here's the thing about slots. It's pretty boring. 
we've played some other casino-type games on the podcast, blackjack and poker and whatnot, and there's some mild excitement there, some skill involved, some strategy, some potential to actually win something. This one is, like they said, basically just pushing the button, competing against, if you're playing against a computer, against someone who's literally just making random bets. I think in the time that I played this, you know, in, in preparation for the field report, I think I got a jackpot once. Uh, and, and even then, not much happens. You get a little, um, a tone of some sort. I don't even remember what it sounded like. Because uh, I, I honestly, you know, peeked behind the curtain here. I did the field report yesterday. So it wasn't all that exciting. It wasn't like, you know, fireworks on the screen or anything. Or Evil Auto bouncing out all happy for you or anything. It just kind of, there's a little tone. And then you move on. I don't know who this game would appeal to. My parents... When I was a kid and I had, you know, Intellivision and Atari, they bought, some of the first games we bought, they bought for the Intellivision were, you know, poker, blackjack, roulette, those kind of games, because uh, they were big and going to Las Vegas every year. Actually, what they usually did was on my spring break, they would take off for Vegas and I would just stay with my brother. So they bought those games for, basically, so they would to play and they would play those a little bit. They never really played video games much, but they would play those a little bit, I guess, as a warm-up for going to Vegas, and I can kind of see that. We never had this one, and I can't imagine them even bothering with it, because, well, for one, it's a slot machine. How much warm-up do you need? There's not a lot of strategy you got to learn. So, yeah, I don't know who this game would appeal to. I paid 99 cents for the cartridge. I don't feel like I'm out a whole lot, but I'm also pretty sure I won't be playing this one anymore. So, if you guys feel strongly the other way, contact me and tell me why exactly, because I'm missing it, I guess. It's story time on Atari Bites. Yes, it's story, 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 story time with Bill. This week's story is titled a place for everyone, and everyone in their place. Cheswick thought about John Lennon, as he did about many of his dead friends, after their lunches. Imagine instantly played through his earphones, drowning out the squeak of the wheels on his cart, which seemed to be in time to the objections of his arthritic knees. As he pushed the cart, Cheswick shook his head. Imagine wasn't doing it for him today. Purple Rain started to play. Not feel-good pop, to be sure, but at least a little more hopeful? And come on, Prince. Good dude, even if he never picks up a check. Cheswick shook his head again. The music stopped and he removed the headphones. He brought his cart to a stop at the corner of the North America present day letter M section of the archive. Time to get to work. Right, Cheswick said. What sort of arbitrary nonsense have they got for me today? The cart looked a little like an old-timey ice cream cart you might see at the county fair in 1957. Helping the comparison, Cheswick opened the hatch atop the cart and a bit of frosty chill wafted out. Cheswick waved it away impatiently. He reached in and pulled out a vial that looked a bit like a chartreuse glow stick with a USB thumb drive suspended within. Hello, Mrs. Violet McInerney, he said to it. White, American, Republican likes raspberry iced tea, and he cocked his head as the next attribute gave him pause. Also likes spankings. All right, then. 
The wall of the M section slid away like a monolith seceding into the mists of time. Row upon row of glow sticks of all colors, including a few no human could perceive, stretched from floor to ceiling. Not that anyone could see the ceiling from the floor. The rows were pockmarked with slots, waiting for glow sticks to be inserted. On the third row from the floor, Cheswick found the slot designated for Mrs. McInerney and inserted the stick. With a quick slurping sound, the liquid within was... Well, Cheswick didn't quite know exactly what happened to it. It seemed that the wall ingested it somehow. Anyway, the wall slid close, closed and Violet McInerney became just one of the anonymous mass of humanity. Cataloged here. The next glow stick Cheswick retrieved was for a Pakistani man named Arav Bukhari. Cheswick moved the cart to the appropriate section. He perceived that Arav appreciated cricket, the works of a number of Pakistani authors, and Rocky Road ice cream. Arav's glow stick went into a slot well above Cheswick's head, making his extendable arms quite handy. Literally. Next was a Canadian named Bob. No last name, just Bob, for reasons known only to him. Bob was a professional magician on a very local basis. He studied all kinds of magic, was very much into body piercings, and the music of Coldplay. In mere moments, his glow stick's fluid disappeared, abracadabra, into the wall. Linda Gleason likes French Impressionist painters. Pedro Gonzalez is a political activist. Bart Weston wonders why his penis does that one weird thing it does. So many different people with so many different attributes, yet all look the same, encased in their tubes and lined up here in their individual slots on the wall. Is that it? Cheswick wondered aloud as a break time rolled around and his cart was ready to be refilled. I slot the lot, the lot I slot, and all the slotted lots I got. He shrugged. Break time, I guess. George Carlin brought brownies today. Cheswick hurried to get some before they were all gone. The next day on the job was the same. Bonneville rides a unicycle and leans libertarian. Slotted. Kamala is into cake decorating. Slotted. Gregor can't stand Brussels sprouts and has a weird fascination with mayonnaise-based porn. Slotted. All the glow stick USB drive things lined up within. A slot for everyone and everyone in a slot. All these people, either alive or dead, tall or short, brown, white, or whatever, they all look the same now. Cheswick couldn't tell one from another. And that was kind of sad. Cheswick reached for a random glow stick. When he pulled it out, separated from the group, all the attributes that made that boring old stick a person flowed forth. And it was beautiful. Then he pulled out a few more. The fluid within the sticks burbled. Happily, it seemed to Cheswick, but he knew that sounded weird. The color was sharper, though. He was sh So, for the rest of the day, Cheswick kept a few of the glow sticks out of their slots and pushed them. But then the end of his work shift came. It was time to put the people back, the vegan. Chen, a flat earther and environmental activist, they were going to their slots, but something weird had happened as he pushed his cart around that day. Was Jennifer a good juggler? But she also liked flamenco dancing. Sergey loved the Peanuts comic strip. Cheswick wouldn't have known any of that about these people if he just put them in their slots. It made him weirdly happy, like... Getting a free dessert because the restaurant messes up your order, happy. So, at the end of his shift, he took them home and looked at the sticks for a while. They seemed to enjoy the time out. Not literally, of course, because they were just the essences of people suspended in a fluid made through a proprietary process Cheswick couldn't begin to understand. So, a little time away couldn't hurt. 
The slots would be there for them the next day. But dutifully, if reluctantly, the next morning, Cheswick said goodbye and slotted them, all their individuality fading away. Cheswick had just started looking for the slot for Anton Alvarez, who had issues with his mother, could fart the alphabet, and was a senior congressional aide when the call came in. Cheswick was being summoned upstairs. That's probably not good. Well, it could be that he was being summoned because his six-month probation was over and it was time for a raise, but probably not. Cheswick left his cart and shuffled to the supervisor's office. Is... Is Marsha here? Cheswick asked after cleaning his voice, after clearing his voice, after clearing his throat, speaking in a muted mumble. Dan looked up from his phone and smirked. Oh, it wasn't Marsha that called you, he said. It was upstairs. Shit. This was serious. Cheswick didn't know who or what exactly was above Marsha, but he knew he didn't want to meet that person or thing. Cheswick's innards convulsed, didn't quite grasp that his legs were moving, but they were. The doors swung open as he approached, and it seemed he stepped into outer space as he walked through them. The room was either cavernous or tiny. It was hard to tell. All was black, but not dark, exactly. There was no clear lighting source. He also wasn't sure how far in to walk. Door swung closed behind him. A long pause when nothing happened. Finally, cleared his throat. <clears throat> Another pause. Finally, a voice said, Do you know what we do at this organization? The voice might have been male, maybe female. It filled the room, coming from everywhere and anywhere. We deliver humanity to itself, the voice said. Seemingly not aware it was speaking gibberish. Maybe the voice was drunk? The voice continued. The humans, they are complex, but confused creatures. We provide organization and the security of knowing who they are. Don't they know who they are? Cheswick really didn't understand. Not until we tell them, said the voice. And you are the key. You are vital to this whole process. It flashed through Cheswick's mind asked whether he could get a raise to something above minimum wage if he was so damn important. The flash, though, was drowned in fear sweat. Why did you take the vials home? Uh, yes, I know. I know everything that happens here. Why did you do it? They felt lonely, Cheswick blurted. No, that wasn't in their character trait lists. We decide who they are and how they feel. I think, I think those people were more than what was in their lists. Not possible, the voice said. You're wrong. The words were out before Cheswick could call them back. Cheswick once got fired from a job detailing the boats that travel the river Styx because he told the manager he was a racist for supporting a demon in an upcoming election. This experience today was starting to feel like that. Well, at least he stood up for something. He could always find another job, right? A week later, Irene slipped on a pair of work gloves because the chill from the pseudo- faux ice cream cart made her fingers numb. She looked at the inventory and lifted one, lifted out the one vial she had been given. A rush job, they said. Skip your break, they said. You'll get comp time, they said. Don't worry about it, they said. The wall slid away and an empty slot waited. Irene looked at the vial and nodded. 
Cheswick. Troublemaker. Elitist. Thinks he knows better than everyone else. What a jerk. She inserted the vial. The fluid surrounding the USB-type drive thing did its thing. And she never thought about Cheswick again. And that's our show. Thanks to Kevin McLeod and Incompetech.com for Creative Commons' use of his songs, Reformat, Take a Chance, and Pinball Spring. Thanks to Mike Mann for the Mad Mike Hughes theme. Thanks to Sean Courtney for the Storytime theme. You can find Atari Bytes on many podcatchers, which you know because you're listening to one. But whatever you do, make sure that you push your little cart over to Apple Podcasts, lift out a vial, and shove it into the review slot so that the world will know how great this episode was. And in, and this episode, nay, the entire podcast and all its five-star splendor. Thanks for doing that. You can email the show at ataribytes2016 at gmail.com. You can like the show on our Facebook page. You can follow the show on Twitter at ataribytes. Or follow me personally at Carnival of Glee. Also, look us up on Instagram. And don't forget, if you feel so inclined, you can call and leave us a voicemail about any damn thing you want by calling 563-265-1978. Check out the website, www.carnival of... Yeah, talking is hard. www.carnivalofgleecreations.com You can get info and social media links for this show, Atari Bytes, or my other podcast. It's a podcast, Charlie Brown, where every month you can get info and infotainment and flat-out entertainment about all things in and around the Peanuts comic strip universe. If it has anything to do with Charlie Brown, Snoopy, and all the rest, or Charles Schultz, or the merchandise, or whatever, right over there on that podcast, including many awesome guests, playwrights, authors. Um, We had the voice of Charlie Brown himself on the podcast not long ago. There's all sorts of weird stuff going on over there. You should go check it out. And you can find out more information and links to the show on www.carnivalofgleecreations.com Hey, hey, you know what else is over there? Information about books that I've written. Misery Banana, you heard an ad for that earlier. And of course, it's the holiday season. You might want to check out, in the Saint Nick of Time, my Santa Claus story for adults. It's an interesting read, if I do say so myself. And it makes a great stocking stuffer. So go check that out. Please also, while you're considering things that relate to this show, Consider supporting the show financially by becoming a subscriber on Patreon. Your donations help keep the lights on over here at the podcast, um, which is good because I fall down a lot when the lights are off. There are new tiers over there for members at different levels. You can get episodes early. You can get bonus episodes, which I do from time to time. Stuff that I think might be interesting or fun for you that I don't do on the podcast, the regular weekly one. You can get it if you're a subscriber over there on Patreon. So, be like Michael Tyler, be like Jose Cazeta, be like Sean Courtney, and become a subscriber. Thank you in advance. Alright, I guess about all that's left is to tell you what we're going to do next week. Next time on Atari Bytes. Spider Fighter. I don't know much about this game. My sense is that it's a popular one, or I may be totally wrong. I very much like the name. It's fun to say. Spider Fighter. So next week, we'll find out if it's also fun to play and what sort of weirdness I can draw from it to write a story. So until next time, go play some old games. They've missed you. (laughs) 